Welcome to Mostly Talk. This week we're interviewing another captain of industry about life, the universe and everything in between. Find out more at mostly.consulting. Hi there, it's James Brewster, the podcast host. Welcome to Mostly Talk. Uh, thanks for listening to the show and thanks to Tima Elhaj for last week's episode. Uh, she was a really interesting guest, I'm sure you'll agree. This week, we're excited to release the Corporate Rebels, or one of them, uh, Pim DeMore. We spoke to him a few months back. Uh, he was in our archives for some time. Uh, lots have changed. You should check out their website in the eight trends. Uh, so, yeah, check out the show and appreciate any feedback. Find out a bit more about what we do at mostly.consulting. James. Hi, Pim. How are you? Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really clear as well, your, your video. You've obviously in a studio. I saw your... Uh, you did a post on it, I believe, your setup. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, recently uh, set it up for all the online work we're doing at the moment. Oh, cool. And you spend a lot of time recording, like four hours a day type stuff, or are you? No, 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 no. Just for uh, online presentations and workshops. So it's a couple of sessions a month and that's about it. Okay, cool. And how was your holiday? You were in uh, France? No, I was. Uh, but I've been back for two weeks now. Okay. Um, or for one and a half week. And so I've been uh, traveling around France yeah, with the Corporate Rebels camper van for a while. And do people recognize the brand? Or they? Uh, no, not yet. But the French book is published in, in two days. So hopefully wow. then they will. Wow. And that's like, it's a good methodology, right? It's hard to write a book once, but do it once and translate it into different languages. And then you're, you're away. Yeah. yeah. And it would be interesting to see like how different countries pick it up. Um, yeah. and, and, and if it, uh, attracts a big crowds in different countries, so it would be interesting to see. You. And you have, uh, your German book, was that a success? You, you got in the bestsellers, is that right? Yeah. But just in the beginning, it doesn't uh, tell that much about actual, uh, proper sales so in the beginning it did uh, really well um but the big promotion is still uh, coming this month and uh next month and you collaborate I'm really with curious them. to see so it's a self-published so we work together with a guy who translated the book was a, okay. a well-known writer in switzerland wow um, yeah. on, on similar topics so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if uh, uh if it's being picked up there in the german market as well and is it right you don't make money from books as such? It's more just credibility and brand awareness and or do you, do you aim to kind of do all right out of it? Yeah, you make a little bit of money by it. Um, so especially if you self-publish, um, yes. it's a little bit more than traditional publishing. Uh, but you shouldn't do it for the money for sure. Unless yeah. you, of course, sell uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of books. Uh, yeah. But we're probably not going to do that. We wanted to, have you heard of the concept of a culture deck? Like culture deck decoded. Yeah. So I studied, I don't know, I sent you my dissertation. Um, you might not have seen it. You've probably got loads of stuff in your inbox. But I uh, we're started a consultancy and we're doing it off the back of forming a real strong culture off the back of a culture deck like Netflix did, like Gore did. Yep. So we've got some really good contacts in Gore and they're helping shape the culture from the start. And then your book came about just at the perfect time, just to start to the consultancy and had a clear view of where we wanted to go. Yeah. But then the way you illustrate things, the way you explain things in the book, it was like, wow, 
you know, you really helped us along the way. And it's like, uh, it's cool. Nice. Like, Glad to hear. Yeah. And, and do you have many stories like that where you hear, I don't know, there are probably not many businesses have set up since you've published the book, but I'd say like it's, it's a fundamental shift in how you can start an organization. The way you've pulled everything so well from the bucket list. It's yeah. like uh, for us, we started in lockdown. So only, you know, two months old. Uh, we registered the company in the UK, a bunch of MBA students that want to make a difference. And, yeah. and your book's a really powerful reference for that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, you're welcome and I'm glad to hear that. So I think for, especially for companies that are still starting up, they have uh, quite a lot more freedom to do the things their way. And yeah. so maybe it might be easier to, to create a culture from that, like uh, from the very start and not have to change these outdated uh, structures that might've been there for decades already. So yeah, it's good. And, and hopefully it will help you in, uh, in setting it up and, and creating the culture you want to create. Yeah. And uh, there's like, um, it's just a really inspiring journey because I've always loved traveling the world and I did it as a, I'm a farmer's son and I, I kind of always worked on farms when I was younger and I was always intrigued by foreign cultures and I'm quite independent. So I just backpacked around okay. and then even the stories just of traveling the world with one of your best friends, obviously it's cool, right? You had a blast, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah it was amazing. And, uh, and do you, we definitely managed to make work more fun for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can you share any stories, just like silly tales of sleeping on couches or, or things that are not in the book? You know, you must have yeah. had like a, a scream, like I guess when you're just traveling around and doing stuff, right? Yeah. Like the, the beginning was totally different from what it is now, of course. So we were just, when we just quit our jobs, we figured out after we quit that we really didn't have a, uh, a lot of money to go around. So I had a couple of air miles left from the job I had before. Um, we had a little bit of savings, but it was not gonna, we thought it was gonna last for about a year, but it was never going to last for a year. So we uh, figured out that we had to save some costs very early on. So Joost and myself started to, we actually moved into the same apartment and not just the same apartment, also in the same bedroom. So it was almost yeah. like, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the story of Steve Jobs in his garage, right? Well, I yeah, think yeah, this, yeah. this was even worse. <laughs> So uh, we, that, that's how we started. And from then, especially the first year in 2016, it was a lot just traveling. So uh, picking our backpacks, spending our air miles and just trying to find these, these progressive companies to, uh, to study them and to understand how they work. Um, and it yeah, it led, led to a lot of cool adventures. Like, was it yeah. simple Google searches at the start? You know, you had 10 companies start there, go and speak to Spotify, Netflix and build on that. Or how did it work? No, mostly, uh, yeah, so in the beginning, it was just by reading books. So we, it started initially with uh, um, a documentary on Ricardo Semler. Yes, uh, yeah, The Maverick, I've got him here. Yeah. yeah, so that's still one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. perfect book for people to, to get into this uh, stuff and to like, read about this really inspirational story. Mm. So we saw a documentary on Semco and Ricardo Semler, and then we started to read the books. Um, and then jumped over to other books on Google and uh, um, other companies like Virgin and yeah. more organizations that were doing things differently. So just re really exploring. And then we went on to internet to search for more interesting companies. And then slowly but surely we got to know more and more. And we just added them to the, the, the bucket list that we put up on a website and just right. said, okay, these are the ones that we want to visit. And there's parallels for me because we're trying to do, uh, develop business. Okay. We're management consultants. We're doing loads of stuff on LinkedIn, like uh, social selling, essentially, 
like inbound sales the concept you put yourself out to the world these are our values and then the world comes knocking on your door people that like and 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 buy into your story then then they connect with you and then you you've got an excuse to chat with them like I'm is it working and and so so at that time you know you had to just be bloody persistent right because you you want to speak to ricardo similar he heads up a big company like do you have any stories just how you must have been a right pain in the ass to people emails and letters and 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 being rejected so many times i guess before you got there yeah so so for some this was definitely the case. Like Ricardo Semler is a good example of that. Um, so in the, in the beginning, we just send out emails and then we started to go on Twitter, uh, which makes it a bit easier because everything is transparent and out in the open. So people yeah. are less comfortable saying no. <laughs> so it was, uh, we figured out that that was actually quite a good way to, uh, to uh, uh, contact people, to simply just ask them out in the open if we could visit them to, to learn about how they work. And did you have and, good lines? Are, are you quite just complimentary and, and polite and, and ask them quite directly, I guess? Yeah, d- directly, but also like really that we were inspired by what they had been doing and that we wanted to learn from how they were working. Nothing, nothing fancy or nothing special, just sincere interest um, into what they were doing and whether they wanted to share it with us. Um, so that was, uh, uh, that was the first in the beginning. And I have to say like um, in the beginning also some were really easy to talk to like for example frederick lalu wrote an amazing book called reinventing organizations yeah i've got it yeah yeah and so he quite uh, quickly responded yeah just come over to my house and we'll talk about this and uh, i think it was still more in the beginning of the his popularity and 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 his book's popularity but so that was a great way to start and then we went to some other places who were really open and inviting because they're so enthusiastic about what they're doing Hmm. They're really also interested about uh, or really interested to share it with as many people as possible. So, uh, and obviously there were also some people that were really hard to talk to. So Ricardo Semler, it took us ages, took us about two years or two and a half years to finally get to talk to him. And so we contacted him and we knew he had his right email address. So we got it from some other people in the field and, but he was just, he wasn't responding to it. So uh, we knew he was reading it, but he wasn't responding to it. So, uh, we tried all different channels and other people that knew him who could contact uh, him on our behalf. And so we tried it, but nothing worked. So in the end, we went over to Brazil to work there. So we gave a presentation in a workshop at some companies in uh, in Brazil. And we sent him one final email, just like, okay, we're coming over to Brazil. We have some time, some time available to meet you. If you're also in Sao Paulo, let us know and uh, let's get together and and, and, and learn from you. So, uh, and that actually worked. So he responded, yeah, come over for a visit and uh, Uh I'll be happy happy to chat with you. So we went to visit him, also his companies, um, and talked to lots of employees working inside the organizations. So in the end, it was cool. But it took uh, definitely some time and some persistence to actually get there. I was, I had a funny story. I was like, uh, so we started a consultancy, like I said, two months ago. I quit my job just three months ago and I had the notice period to serve. And my boss was really nice. It's this really cool organization. And he was just like, um, you've got your gardening leave for a month. Just take that time to write your business plan and take your laptop. And if it doesn't work out, then come back and work for us, essentially. <laughs> and he's a really nice guy. And, and um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd recommend you speak to him at some stage because he, he was in the big bureaucratic organization, Rolls-Royce in the UK. Yep. And he formed this company that wins all the awards in the Sunday Times best listing for culture in the UK. Okay. So Abbott Risk Consultant is the consultancy. Yeah. And uh, really cool, really nice guy, visionary. He thought of this a long time ago. 
But um, I uh, started the company with two friends on our on our MBA that we're doing part time. Yeah. And then uh, you know BP British Petroleum is a company I've worked with a lot, uh, really big, and and they're they've had a change in leadership and they're really like radically transparent with the world. This is the direction of travel that we want to go in. We believe in net zero. We believe that we have to shift from a hydrocarbon production company to to drive towards net zero and 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 rid the world of uh, climate cancer, you know, uh, climate change or global yeah. warming. And then, so I did this cool trick. I I sent uh, Bernard Looney, uh, who's really open on LinkedIn and speaking to people, engaging with people. I sent him a your book to his email address through Kindle. And just with a sincere message saying, uh, Bernard, I care for your company. This is a book that will help you transform. And then Bernard Looney responded to my email address that I'd just set up within two days saying, James, thanks for caring. I'll send the Corporate Rebels book to all my leaders in the company. Nice. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I just, I thought it'd be like so hard to speak to CEO at that level. And then it's just like a, it was a, like such a, a life hack, if you like, just a, just a little Kindle book. It cost me £6.80 to send it from the UK uh, to his email address. Yeah. And and it was just funny that he engaged with it really quickly. And then he ignored all my emails since. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, uh, what I like about it is that, um, like, internet has made it so, um, has, like, really blurred the lines between uh, people that are far away or that are close. So it's really easy to talk to almost everybody. As long as you obviously are able to, like, in one way connect with them, or there has to be something that sparks um, interest of the people you want to talk to, uh, whether yes. they're famous or not. I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's it's. I think it, what it comes down to is that it should be authentic. Like, if you you can start approaching, I, I've I've seen people that are just approaching people because they want to talk to them because they're famous or uh, because they want something from them. That, yes. Um, is really of no value to those people themselves. I think that's that's just useless, just wasting your time. I think it should be an authentic and sincere interest in what they're doing and to learn from them and, um, um, or maybe offering something to them because otherwise it's just going to be a whole lot of pain and uh, definitely no gain. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but it's, it's amazing. And even lockdown has kind of kick-started that. So whereas you had to travel to Sao Paulo to, to speak to these people, now it's like, well, we're all locked down in our own homes, right? And yeah. it's like, you know, we have to we have to do things differently. You're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? Thanks for listening. Now back to it. Are you familiar with the trust concept, the trust advisor? He wrote a book, so Charles Green. No. He's another author. And, and uh, the trust formula he defined as trust equals reliability plus credibility plus intimacy which for Dutch and British people is a, a difficult word, <laughs> divided by uh, self-interest. So as soon as you sow too much self-interest or any self-interest, then you road trust. Mm. And then the concept of being reliable and credible, like I engaged with you and you responded really favorably. And I guess it's because, like you say, I took an interest, a sincere interest, and it was credible enough. You maybe looked at my LinkedIn profile. But then to build... What I, I think is really powerful right now is you can build intimacy by going into someone's home, essentially, and finding out you know what their home looks like. You find out what types of books they like, or you meet their family. Whereas before, you might meet people in corporate environments, and it's quite stuffy. You've got like an hour, and you're wearing a shirt and tie, and they're wearing a shirt and tie, and yep. you've got a meeting room that's only booked for a set time. And now I can go into people's homes anywhere around the world, and they really engage, and they talk about their company in a way that they would never have done before. 
yeah. and it's it's really interesting. So I've been doing yeah, that. Quite, nice. Yeah, and it and it, have you found that like your lockdown experience? Have you been you've been all around the world? I guess during this time in your studio. Uh, yeah, uh, but we are not really talking to um, many of the companies that we want to learn from. Hmm. Um, so there has been some conversations like every month, a couple of times to companies that we, we are uh, learning from. So, so what we call the bucket list visits, but yeah. it's really different from actually going there. So we're not spending too much time now researching them through um, online tools. So we really actually, once we have the opportunity again to actually go there because it's so different from walking into a company and experiencing and feeling what they're about and how yeah. they're doing things. Yeah. So that's so different than when you're just chatting online and yeah, obviously has a lot of benefits too. But um, I think when it comes to really understanding a, how a company works and um, also the feeling that um, is part of that way of working, mm. um, I think for us, at least, it still makes more sense to actually go there. But this also might change, right? When companies are working more remotely, uh, there's not really an office culture to to experience. So yeah. it might change in that uh, direction too. I think you're like me. You like traveling, right? You're Dutch. Dutch and British people tend to like traveling. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. Yeah. 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 And uh, there was one thing. I, I spoke to people about corporate rebels a lot and and I don't know how many times I've bought the book for other people now, but um, I think you owe me a few beers. <laughs> but I, uh, well, you actually sent beers over, but they never arrived. They never arrived. Okay. No, I haven't seen them yet. They were meant to arrive uh, last week at your head- headquarters, but I, uh, okay. yeah, but no problem. I'll chase it up. It was from a local. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. Um, yeah, more for my benefit. Or I won't use them again. <laughs> um, there was, you know, when you use the term rebellion, rebel, and and it's like, you know, it speaks to a certain type of person. You know, it's a real powerful world word. It's very emotive, right? But to do, you, do you worry that it kind of has a negative connotation in some ways? That you know, organizations are not all bad, and they're this the systems that are rigged, if you like. The people are good, and it's just they're part of this system construct where they might do things that are bad because of the way the system's been designed. Yeah. But this act of rebelling against corporations it's like uh you know it's almost like you need a corporation 2.0 or uh if you're with me so you're you're just speaking to people that it's like you know rage against the machine and and i'm with you i've been in big organizations where it sucks but to get ceos and leaders of organizations do you find that they've connected with it your messages and 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 when you've done your consultancy work or your presentations like this act of rebellion if you like it's it's not really against the 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 corporation itself it's like it's yeah. more just against the history and how corporations have come through time you know yeah and i think like some people and some leaders of companies or any individuals and in companies definitely don't want to work with us because they think that rebelling against their organization is a bad thing to do uh, that's perfectly fine like they shouldn't be working with us if that's their um belief and it's also not a good fit. Yes. Like we believe that it is actually a good thing to stand up to. It's not about rebelling for the sake of rebelling. It's really about trying to make the world of work a better place. Like nowadays, so many people are frustrated and not motivated at work. That I think it's a good thing to stand up to um, uh, stupid rules, to stand up to outdated structures that are hurting people more than they're actually supporting them. 
So I think it's vitally important that we rebel against those structures. And for sure, there's people that are not agreeing with that, um, which is perfectly fine. Um, I hope in, in due time, um, they will see that there is another way to work. Yes. Um, but, and it also, like, like, we're just one of the voices that are talking about this concept of changing uh, work for the better and, and, and making it more human. And it's a, it's a cool brand, like, and everything about what you do is great. And I like even your tagline, like, make work more fun. Like, who can't agree with that, you know? Yeah, but it also, for a lot of people, it's like, uh, fun. work is not about fun. Work should be blah, blah, blah. Um, so, like, the work we do and the, the, the way we do things and the way we communicate through our blog and through our talks, and um, for a lot of people, that might not be interesting. But there's also other people that are... Um, um, trying to pursue the same purpose, but doing it with a totally different vibe, maybe more spiritual or maybe more uh, theoretical or so. And there's, I think um, the more different or the more, the more diversity we actually have in those voices, the, the better it is because you just simply connect with more people to, to actually change it. Did you speak to Dolce McGregor at like Tomo Prime to Perform? It's a no. book. So two McKinsey consultants, um, so I've been having fun in, in lockdown speaking to McKinsey consultants because they're good to people to learn from. So you just tap them up online, you spend an hour with them in their own home and they tell you a shitload of things about McKinsey. And it's interesting to me because I might never be a McKinsey consultant. I might never want to be. But wow, they're like the best strategy consultants in the world. There's this book called Prime to Perform and it's uh, about total motivation. Mm-hmm. So it's direct and indirect motivators. So the direct motivators... Uh, you know, there's a survey you can do and it scores you out of uh, 100. It's, it's actually a scale from 100 to minus 100. Yeah. The direct motivators uh, obviously put you towards the, the positive 100. So the direct motivators are play, purpose, and potential. So are you having fun? Do you have a higher purpose? You know what it is. Are you developing as a person year on year, day by day, etc.? Yeah. And then the indirect motivators are economic pressure, emotional pressure, and inertia. You know, you're just there in that factory because your dad was there and his granddad was there and da, 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 da. and it's like you can do this real cool tool then you run it across an organization so it's in the dissertation i sent you and you can work out the average score of the dissertation of the sorry the organization and then you can go team by team which one's got the most motivation you know and then it's like how do we you can make recommendations off the back of that you know this team over here they don't connect with the purpose you know so maybe it's just a breakdown in the narrative or maybe the leader doesn't see it and, and, and they're disillusioned and they're having a bad day and a bad week. Maybe there's bullies in that, that part of the organization that are not making it fun for people. And uh, maybe that the training programs aren't good. Their, their potential is so low. And uh, maybe these guys are so driven by money that that's what's keeping them there. And it's good to an extent, but you know, you, it can't be the be all and end all. And, and, and emotional pressure is an interesting one as well because you inherit a family business your sons take on corporate rebels, for example. And it's like, well, I'm only doing this because, you, know, you know, my dad, Pim, decided this was what I should do in life. And he wakes up at four and go, that was my dad's dream. It's not mine. So yeah. it's that emotional pressure. And it's a really cool wee toolkit that we, we do, we use and, and use it as a diagnostics tool to assess where can we take this organization? How do we make them more like the, how the corporate rebels believe and they eat trends, if you like, because there's a lot of parallels between the two. Yep. But, uh, Oh, that's cool. yeah, I, I think the, like, there's loads of tools out there. What I would like to stress, like that in, in the end, judging from all the uh, visits that we did, 
like the most important thing is just simply talk to frontline stuff. Like what yeah. is it that they need? What is frustrating them? What do they think can be done in a better way? Yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the big mistakes when it comes in, cons- for example, in consultancy is that many uh, consultancy firms or consultants think that they should provide a solution. Um, and I think that's an impossible thing to do. Like people working inside a specific organization know much more about the, the day-to-day operations, about all the, 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 the nuts and bolts of the company and how they work. So I think the thing consultants can do is just inspire people, um, challenge them, uh, help them to think differently about how work could be done and give them maybe some tools or ideas on how to, how to do it. But I think change should really happen as much at the front line as possible, just based yeah. on what people feel can be done better. Whether you're working in a manufacturing company or whether it's a service company, it doesn't really matter. It's just about listening to, to, to people. And um, so if you want to get rid of that dictatorship that we now have in a lot of organizations and move to a more democratic model, um, the thing you should do is just listen to, to the people in the organization. And then there's that disconnect as well sometimes between leadership and the shop floor. And, and it's trying to be driven from above and that concept, Gore are big on it, is servant leadership. It's like, yep. you know, the leader's there to serve. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's a democracy. These people on the shop floor should be able to dictate the direction of travel as opposed to be told this is the way we're going. And they don't necessarily buy into it. And then they're just doing their 40 hours just to get their next pay increase type thing. Yeah. I like that. I think the quote is from uh, W.L. Gore as well. If you want to be a leader, you better find some followers. Yeah. So yeah. you're not a, a leader by being appointed to be in this specific job position. So you become a leader by actually creating people who want to, or getting people to follow you. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've had the luck of uh, befriending one of the former leaders of Gore. He was there for 20 years and he got them the, the top spot four years running in the UK in terms of culture organizational culture and he's a phenomenal leader and it's very much you know he didn't expect to be called a leader everyone voted for him essentially pushed him forward and said no john you're the leader yeah and and he just had such an, an awesome temperament and he's a great guy and again i can hook you up with him as well if you need but yeah, uh, that would be interesting and i i think this is missing in many organizations right this is natural type of leadership where people if they are natural leaders um they can create their following and therefore have more influence in an organization um, because nowadays in traditional organizations, you're just promoted um, up the hierarchical uh, uh, organization. And the higher you are up, uh, the more uh, so-called leadership you then have, or the more authority you have over others, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it doesn't mean that if you're appointed to this one position, you're also here to others. I think this is a, a thing that Gore is doing really well, um, or from what we've heard because we haven't visited them yet. And many yeah. other pioneering organizations are doing really well when you compare it to more traditional structures and traditional organizations. I think like culturally, they've maybe went through a difficult time and it was the original generation has moved out of it now and it's the kids of that organization that are trying to take it forward. And there's maybe a bit of a disconnect between where they wanted to go originally and where, where they're going just now. But I think it's salvageable because it's, it's in, you know, the, when you look at the enterprise, the one-page enterprise that Gore defined it's so relevant to today and it's like, you know, they had it so right. And it's just, you know, it, it maybe gets lost along the way a wee bit with generations, I suppose. But, uh, but uh, yeah, great company. So phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's been, uh, it's been awesome that you've uh, reached out and, and uh, given me a bit of a help. It's been cool.
And uh, nice. I, uh, I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. It's my brother's wedding. Okay. So my wife's downstairs, and I said it wouldn't be, take too long. But I'll, uh, I'll definitely stay in touch and, and send you some uh, connections if you like. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. All the best with uh, consulting. Yeah, sure. Hopefully the book is uh, helpful in actually creating the culture that you want. Yeah, very if helpful. If there's ever gonna... anything else you need, then just let me know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your charity before we go. So you've, you've just, that's news, isn't it? You've, you launched the charity? Yeah, not the official launch yet, but we're uh, looking for people now to, uh, to join that. Um, so yeah, last year we decided that uh, we were going to give away 10% of our profits at Corporate Rebels to um, uh, charities and local initiatives around the world who are supporting the people who can't really afford the luxury of making work more fun. Yeah. Um, so actually for the people uh, working in slavery or in really bad uh, conditions. Um, so we want to do something for those people too. Um, so we're donating 10% of our profits to the Corporate Rebels Foundation. Um, other people in due time are able to donate to that as well. And then we're going to support lots of projects around the world and uh, setting up our own projects to make sure that we can end in human workplaces. So that's the, uh, that's the idea. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. I have been and still will be James Brewster. Uh, the... Yeah, it was a great a great episode by Pim DeMori, as I'm sure you'll agree. Next week, we're talking to Claire Nilsson of Strathclyde Sirens and a CEO of Netball Scotland. Uh, so the Sirens is a phenomenal inspiration to many and uh, their story and what they've achieved. Uh, and Claire is one of our, well, first clients, if you like. She's one of our, the reasons why we exist as Mostly Consulting. So we were quite keen to share her story as a leader. And we think she's really inspiring. So tune into that episode next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. Find us online at mostly.consulting. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a review or tell a friend?